Hey folks, Mark Reed here, one of the pastors at Open House Community Church. Thanks so much for joining us on the Open House Podcast. We're a church inviting people to belong and believe in the person of Jesus, be transformed to become more like him, and be a part of building the kingdom of God here in the city of Bristol. If you're dropping in for the first time, do get in touch through our website, openhousecc.co.uk, or drop us a follow on our Instagram at openhouse.cc. Hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. So tonight, I'm going to go through the book of Acts and chapter two. <laughs> Don't worry. I know I go on. Um, and then at the end, April's actually going to come up and just do a little whistle-stop bit at the end, tag along to what I'm doing. Um, but um, in the last couple of weeks, we've just been thinking about vision a little bit. And then we're going to shift from vision into philosophy. <laughs> um, and I'll explain what I mean by that after this week. And that's kind of how we're doing this thing. So bit of vision. And our vision, um, we've talked about um, the importance of the presence of God being with us. Um, Moses on the mountain and and with God saying, God, if your presence does not go with me, I'm not in. And then there's this next step for us where his presence is in us. So it's like, if we're not engaging with that, we've missed the point. It is primary. It is the number one thing, the meaning of life, to know him and to fall in love with God and then to fall in love with people and love yourself as well. There it is right there. So then we've got word and spirit. We don't want to be too floaty and spiritual. We don't want to be too boring and just wordy and make it really legalistic and religious, as we might put it like that. We want to have a mix of both. And the spirit and the word come together. And the word is powerful to bring salvation and change to people's lives. But it's the Holy Spirit that comes and makes it living and active. And they work together. So we're a word and spirit church. Um, And we love discipleship. We are here to all grow in our faith and become more like Jesus in everything we do, in every manner that is, how we think about ourselves, other people, God, how we interact with the world around us. And then we have a value on diversity of theology. Um, So not just seeing other styles of churches and writing them off, but actually recognizing the pros and cons and then recognizing the pros and cons of our style of church and being humble about that and explorative about those things without losing our foundations. And then finally, community. So we're here together, and we need each other. And if we have each other, we'll do it better. Um, there's no doubt about that. So that's, that's our vision that we've just been talking about the last few weeks. Um, and then I'm just going to really lock into that. And it's kind of like that church-wide, church kind of thing, where it's like the congregation of God, what are we doing? And then after this week, we're going to move into the philosophy. And it's going to come more and more personal to you as an individual. And we're going to, we're going to spend a, a real good few weeks just looking at what that means for you as a disciple. What are your foundations of faith? What holds you together? And I think you're going to find it really interesting what, what's going to be presented to you. And there's a lot of stuff that you can take away and look at yourself um, that we've got, which is really, really nice. Um, and that philosophy is that we want to see disciples that can live like Jesus in their everyday. We don't want to just teach you how to run church stuff, even though that's great, but we need to be able to do it in our everyday. So it's like the worship team tonight is so important that we have, and it's such a blessing that we have people that can do what they did, but then if they don't take that worship outside into their everyday life, that love of God, that transformed way of thinking and doing things, 
oh, what's that? That's an interesting thing, isn't it? You know, do we just love singing then? You know, and singing is fun. But there's more to it than that. There's got to be something extra. And we want that to be in your life. And it's challenging, but it's also joyful. And you're going to grow. And it's going to be amazing. And we're all going to grow. And we're all going to have ups and downs. And a really good leader once said to me, I remember I came to Bristol. And um, I'd been in another church in a, like a, near Portsmouth doing loads of stuff. And I like, was just really in the thick of it all, like leading stuff and doing things and da 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 And I remember coming to Bristol and I was like, oh, I know what it can be at church. Like, you know, they might not let me kind of really do stuff here and, and stuff like that. And I was really blessed because in my, I moved to Bristol uh, and then one week later got married to April. So I moved here a week before with no job. It was so random. And someone let me live in their house for three months for free, uh, a random house that they had. Um, which was miraculous. Um, another little story there. After three months, um, I prayed. And I said, God, I need to find somewhere to live. Like, we have nowhere to live. <laughs> Silly married couple. It's like, what are we doing? And then I felt like God would say, whatever you do, you're going to pay £550 a month rent. That's, that's what you're looking for. And I was like, I mean, imagine that. In this day and age in Bristol, you're not finding that, are you? I mean, um, and this was a three-bed house, decent one in Hallfield, really nice, right near the football stadium. And um, the landlord of the house, who I did know, but I didn't tell him, um, he rings me up and he's like, me and my wife have been praying and we just feel like we're supposed to let you stay there for £550 a month. And I just went, I know. (laughs) And he was like, what? And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. It it sounds really arrogant and rude. I was like, but no, seriously. I was like, that is the exact figure I got. And I'd said it to April before he said it as well. So we were just like, wow. Wow. You know, communication of God there between different people. Really amazing. Anyway, what am I saying? Come to Bristol, do all that. And then I was like, man, I really want to get released here and and do stuff. And I did a best man speech, and um, a a groom speech, sorry. And um, really, it was all about God, the whole thing. And I actually spoke for 47 minutes. (laughs) Because me and April have quite a weird testimony about how we got together and how like, and God through that, which is quite a crazy story, actually. And um, a leader of a church was there, heard, heard it, and he just said, right, you're gonna, I'm going to get you leading stuff straight away. I think, I think there's something in there for you. And then his, his thought was this. He said to me, if you are not making mistakes, I know you're not really trying to do something. So you making mistakes is a good sign to me, and that's what I want to see. And I thought, Wow. It took the pressure off, and I thought, yeah, that is right. If I'm not making mistakes, I'm not really trying to do it. I'm playing it safe, you know, and I'm not talking about being reckless, but, you know, I I just want everyone here to know that. I want to hear the good stories, and I want to hear the times you did something, and you were like, that did not go well for me. I did a bad job, you know. I've done such bad jobs to people. (laughs) Unbelievable. Um, So that's what we want you to be. We want people that live this thing out in your everyday life. Right. Let me talk about the book of Acts and church. So why am I doing this talk tonight before we go into that personal bit? The reason I'm doing this tonight is um, actually just in the culture around us, generally outside church and then inside church, um, there's this kind of culture of dismantling everything and being like, what is it? All these things that hold our society together, institutions, this and that. We've almost gone to the point of that they're evil. You know, institution is evil, you know, or, or... everything is you know any any business it's like it's evil it's a business it's evil and it's like it's not you know it could be used evilly but is it um and then how we do things why are we doing it like that and 
That is actually a good and a bad thing. We've got to, all, that's, that's called a liberal mindset. So liberal is to challenge the status quo, to check that it's actually, we've got it right. And actually, if you don't have a liberal part of yourself, and everyone does, you're not a liberal or conservative, you've got that, you've got that in you, and you should do that. You should think, why am I doing this? And then it's real, you know, and you're not just going along with the crowd. But then there's this other side of it, which we say is conservative. And we say, oh, I'm a liberal in politicians, um, or I'm a conservative politician. It's, I'm not talking about that today. I'm just talking about those mindsets of liberal and conservative. And a conservative is a preservation of what we have found through scripture, through tradition, through logic and reason, and through experience. They're the four things. Scripture, uh, tradition, which is like our history, logic and reason, and experience. They're the four things. And we have tried and tested, and we have found that this way is good. And so we want to preserve it as best we can. And so we all have a bit of that, don't we? We want to preserve our family. We're going to be conservative about it. And we say, no, we found, I'm, I'm good with these guys. I'm going to, they're my people, you know? And then sometimes it doesn't go so well in family. You go liberal and you go, I'm not sure about that. And you deconstruct it a bit. And you're like, what's that about, you know? And you're right to. And it's, that, it's a good thing. So what's going on at the moment is we've got that going on in the nation and across the West. And then I think we've done that with church, which is maybe not the worst thing that ever happened to us. But it could be if we completely throw it all off. So I just wanted today to say this bit of scripture here, Acts chapter 2, starting from verse 37 going to 47, it just sets the tone of what are the, what are like the non-negotiables to God? What are like the, in all your like, how do we do this church thing? Should it be big? Should it be small? I think it should be medium-sized. I think if we meet in a cafe, then we've got it. We've got, we're at cafe church. We've got it. We're different. You know, no, we're a church that meets outside. We've got it. It's not about building. We're outside. You know, we've got the big building. All the people came to us because we were better than you, so we've got it. You know, it's like, which, one, which one's got it? I don't think that's the point. It's not about the form. Forms can be helpful, but it's about the essences. What inside of it should you generally be seeing? And if you can get that, then you can appreciate all the different forms and all the different styles and all the different people. Okay, so I'm just going to go through it, pretty plain and simple, and um, yeah, make of it what you will. So what happens is right here, Peter has just preached to a big crowd. So kind of the Holy Spirit's come and he's preached the gospel and he's told them all about it. He's told them all about Jesus. This is what's happened. And then for us in this time, in a time of almost deconstruction in our culture, when, um, verse 37, by the way, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What should we do? How should we do this thing? How should we do church? What should be happening? What should we do? What is the action we would take? And now we're going to go in nine verses, and I just think, it is thorough. There's a lot going on, and it's all important. And I, I, it's hard to succinct it into like one or two things. It is a lot. There's so much in the kingdom of God. So let's go for it. So uh, verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. So we need to be a repentant community, a community that is, I was saying about liberal. Consider yourself, why am I living like this? What's the status quo? What am I doing? 
Why am I doing that? I shouldn't do that. I want to grow in God. I want to be, I want to be different. Be baptized. Be baptized. Okay, why? Baptism is a prophetic declaration that Jesus died and came back to life and you are joining in with that and he has allowed you to be part of it. It's a prophetic sign of what you believe to the world around you. It's a very powerful thing. Just like marriage is a prophetic sign that one day Jesus will come back and marry his church. So weddings, baptisms, they are a prophetic sign. Okay, great. So we've got that. And then we've got, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we want people to receive the Holy Spirit. So not only do we want them to believe, we want them to repent, we want them to be baptized, but we want them to receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, verse 39. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So this promise is potentially for all. It's for anyone. Is God calling them? Go for it. It's not just for us. It's not just for them. It's for all. Okay, great. So there's a, but there's a little bit of inclusiveness and exclusiveness there, isn't there? So it's inclusive and it's like it's for all, but it's also like who got, what's going on? Who's actually connecting with God? Who's got a humble heart? Who's open to what God is saying? People theologically would often call that of look for the people of peace. When you go to work, you will always find people of peace. What do I mean by that? You'll find people that are soft to Jesus. It's almost guaranteed. And they might be secret. Me and Mark worked together a lot doing painting. And we were on a building site. And this bloke called Jason, big lad. And there was this carpenter there called Tom. And he was like, he's a bit rough and ready. Lovely bloke, but just rough and ready. And you just wouldn't think he was a person of peace who was open for it. And... Um, he did, like, he was just so, he was, he's just rude, you know, he's just so rude, but I kind of find it funny, you know, he's awful, you know, he says the worst things, you know, and the boss is going, I'm sorry, because he knows we're Christians, he's like, you know, just whatever they say, don't take offense, I'm like, Jace, it's all right, it's fine, it's fine, so Tom does do a few random things to me and stuff like that, but one day I'm just painting this uh, banisters, and Tom's behind me in the kitchen, and he just starts asking me, and asking me, and asking me about God over and over again, and then the boss would walk through, silent. So anyway, you know, you can ask me about the devil. <laughs> you go, so what about the devil? And what do you think about God? Do you think angels are real? Da, da, da. And he couldn't get enough of it. And then we kind of stopped. It was going for lunch. And I was like, oh, that was good, Tom. And then he like stopped me and was like, I want to hear more about this. I'm really into this. I really want to hear more. Who would have thought? Tom, really rude. Like so bad. He just do the worst jokes. You think, don't say that, you know. It was Tom, you know. And he took my number and a bit of chit-chat backwards and forwards. People of peace. So it is open for those who are, who are open to God. Right, verse 40. With many other words, he warmed them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. That's an interesting one. That corrupt generation. So what I'm saying right now is, I think there's a swathe of the spirit of the age of deconstruction. And I think it's good and bad. And so what I'm trying to say to you tonight is embrace some of it, but don't get taken over by the swathe of the generation because it's not going to be completely correct. What I'm saying is, is think about what you're doing, go with it, but have your foundations and say, no, I'm going to, I've read Acts chapter two. I know, I know the things I definitely should be up to. 
I should be open to who's a person of peace. I do need to repent. I do believe in Jesus. I do think you should get baptized. This is God's standard. It is better than any generation will ever give you. I promise you, every generation is broken, and we always pick up the pieces in the following generations. It always happens. Always happens. Just simple stuff. He warned them. Oh, where am I? Yeah, with many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Verse 41. Those who accept this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Your church, this is, this, is, this is an interesting one. In theory, your church should grow. People should become Christian as a result of you as a group of people. That's challenging, isn't it? But that actually should be happening. Otherwise, it's not the best sign. It's, there's something wrong there if it never happens. Does that make sense? It's just a thing. You know, if, if we're really on fire for God, if we really know how to live this life out a little bit, if we really love him, stuff will happen around us. If we have a bit of boldness, if we're willing to be not liked and go for it and talk to, say, your Toms at work or whoever it is for you, it might just happen. But there should be people being added to your numbers. Verse 42. Now we really start getting into the meat as well. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Wow, that's a great one. Okay, let me just go into that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There's two things in there. Honestly, it's, it's just the best thing. It's the best book in the world. It, it, it is. It actually is that good. It's the most given, stolen, printed book it's the most world-changing book that has ever lived or been. And I do say it lives. That's the point, isn't it? That's the problem. People just can't quite get rid of it. And they've really given it a go. I, it's the most ridiculed book in the world. It's the most written about book in the world. There, it is unbeatable because it's, there's an X factor to this thing. It's not normal. It is not a normal. Well, the words on these pages are not normal. It, and then when you have people that have got the Holy Spirit in them and they start putting this into practice, it, stuff happens. It just does. They devote themselves to teaching. Great. Talked about the apostles there. Actually, in church, we think this is, this is a spirit of the age thing. Authority is wrong. No. That's just, no. That's not what this thing says. Standard. Well, you know, I don't think it's good. We're all equal. Yeah, we're all equal. But we all have roles to play and we have to have order. If there's no order, you have disorder. And lawlessness. And trust me, it's a terrible thing if you actually lived in a world of disorder and lawlessness. There are countries that live in that more than this country. And it's not the best. I've been to them. It's hard. It's very difficult. And this country has its disorder and, and stuff as well. It has its corruptness. It is there. But don't let someone fool you. Authority is not bad. If it's exploited for selfish gain at the expense of others... Something to challenge, isn't there? We've got to stand up and we've got to say, I'm not sure about this. And we've got to be bold. But it's not evil. It's not evil. There's something in it. Okay. Verse 43. Are you with me, everyone? Are you okay? Great. I know I just go through the Bible when I speak, but I think it's good. Philosophy is, I want you guys to be a disciple yourself. So I try and get you to look at it yourself. So I haven't just said it to you. I am unpacking it, but I'm reading what it says. So... I think it's all right. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. 
Okay, we should have awe of God. Did we have awe of God tonight? Okay, next one. Good. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles, it says here. In other places, it says these signs will follow those who believe. That's an interesting thing. That's quite challenging, isn't it? Um, If you never see signs, do you believe in them? That's a challenging thing to think as well, isn't it? You know? Often you say, I've never seen someone get healed. How many people you prayed for in your life? Two. Oh, okay. Well, just make it 200 for funsies and just see what happens, you know? Like, maybe, you know, why not? You know, <laughs> just be keen, <laughs> you know? Um, there should be signs and wonders in your church. Stuff should happen. Stuff should happen. I, I, I hear of people having dreams that are quite miraculous. Someone had a dream the other day. Uh, for someone else, and then got like the name of their best friend right, and said, is this name important to you from the dream? That's miraculous. That's weird, isn't it? You go, wow, God, you're speaking to this community, you know? Um, We had the story a while back where we shared faith with some guys, and they all got a sense of the Holy Spirit, and when they went back to where they lived, they told their friends about what happened to them, and then their friends got a sense of the Holy Spirit, and then they stopped talking to us. (laughs) So I think they got scared. I got so confused by that. (laughs) So there should be signs there really should be. Um, verse 44, mine turns page here. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Do you know what? I'm just going to say it to you. That's, that's the verse in this whole bit where I think, what does that mean? Do you know what I'm saying? They were all together and they had everything in common. I don't even know if that's possible. What does that mean? I don't, I, I'm just going to bypass it and say it's up to you on that one. I... I just don't know. I haven't looked it up myself to kind of really look into it, but I think that's a profound verse that is hard to achieve, so well done. Verse 45. They were selling their possessions and good. They gave to anyone as he or she had need. Wow, that's nuts, isn't it? I mean, people sold houses in this book. Like, you just can't believe it, can you? Like, imagine doing that. Imagine being like, I'm going to sell my car so I can give someone whatever. I just, that's just quite profound, you know. It's not just excess money. It was, I don't have excess money for you, so I'll sell something. Wow, you know. So it should be giving. Should be giving. We should be generous. Okay, great. Uh, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I I read all of that because, well, I'm just going to do this thing myself. I'm just going to do this Christianity thing over here on myself. You know, it's just, you know, it's personal to me, you know. Well, here it says we should meet together. If we can, we should. Some people can't. I think God's all right with them. Do you know what I mean? There is, honestly, there's places where you can't meet and then people still do it underground. You're just like, Wow. There's a great documentary on YouTube about Iran called, I have no idea. But it's about the persecuted church in Iran, if you just type that in. And it's just like, how do they do it? I just, I'm just amazed. Like, incredible. Should we meet together? Yes. And be committed about it. I'm not just saying that to make people attend church. I Honestly, it's not my vibe. I'm just saying it's a thing. I've seen so many people that, like, don't do that committedly. And, like, it just, honestly, like, nearly every single time, six months later, they're in a bit of a crisis of faith. It just, it just pretty much always happens. I, I'm not saying you can't do it without meeting with people, because Iran tells us that, and other countries. I'm just saying, if you can and you don't, 
That shows something, doesn't it? It shows something. So we meet with each other. And then here it says, in the home. And then before that it says, in the temple. So there's kind of that hospitable meeting. I'm going to invite you around my house. You know, I'm going to come around your house. We're going to meet each other out here. So there's that social, it's everyday life. But then there's the temple. There's like the big moments of gathering. Why are big moments of gathering really important? Why are the little ones really important? I think the little ones make it real. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if you're at church and you'd never go around someone's house for a cup of tea, like I, it just, that's not nice, is it? It's like, oh, okay, we just do this thing because we, you know, so we want to be people. And I encourage you guys, invite each other out for a coffee. Just like if you haven't met someone or know someone here, just be like, we should chat. I'd love to hear your story and just do it. Like, you never know what's going to happen. But then there's the big as well. What does the big do? One of the things it does, Jesus does a parable about being a city set on a hill so that everyone can see it burning. When we meet together as a group, the doors are open, the banners out the front, people come in, there's a community of people to welcome them. Loads of people walk in here and just try it out and they don't even know anyone. We're a city set on a hill. They get to see us because of our temple stuff. And there's other reasons why it's good to meet as a big group, but that's one really, really good reason that is... Well, yeah, we all get to play a part. A little bit of something here. You, you see there in verse 46, it says, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That, I, that's, that's literally about eating. I just literally. Whereas earlier... Oh, where am I? Where am I? Um, not there... So every day they continue to meet together until... Verse 42, you're an absolute hero. Where am I? They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Okay, so I just wanted to say, thank you. Was that Sarah? You're a hero. I honestly was not going to find it. <laughs> I started to panic. Okay, there, the breaking of bread is referring to communion. Okay? So it's not saying that twice. So that one's communion, so we should do communion. Okay, we'll do that. Just... Well, why? You just will. But the answer to it is, again, it's a prophetic sign of remembrance that Jesus' body was broken for us and his blood was there. And that's the gospel message. So it's a prophetic sign. Whereas here, it's actually talking about literally eating together, which is a really important thing. Great. We're nearly done. 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amazing. Should we worship God? Yeah. It says it's a staple part of the diet. If it's not happening, what's going on? You should have that overflow of love for God. Tonight, it was just, I actually just could not wait to do worship tonight. We did prayer before and I was just thinking, I just can't wait to worship God. Um, yeah, I've just, I need it. I just... I just, you know, especially when you go through the harder times of life, you just, you really realize what he's about, don't you? You know, and you think, oh, and then he, then he does certain stuff and you're like, wow, you know, God is just so good to us. So we praise God. Here's, here's a good one. And enjoy the favor of all the people. I think that's really interesting. Enjoy the favor of all the people coming into land. Generally speaking, if you transform yourself to do what this thing says, considering the book of Proverbs and all that Matthew says in 5, 6, and 7 about how you should live your life and da-da-da-da. If you were to actually do it, you would get favor from people around you in your community because you'd be quite a person. 
You really would be. Every so often, you're supposed to annoy someone because they, you share the gospel. That's okay. It should happen sometimes. It shouldn't happen all the time, but it should happen sometimes. But you would grow in favor because it really transforms your life. I'm not saying this is right. Without the right heart, that's the problem, isn't it? But a lot of the self-help books about getting rich, they actually use these principles. They actually have Bible verses in those books. You think, why is that in there? But they actually do. Because there is some truth to just the way God teaches you to live, it will make you a better worker. It will make you a better business person. It will make you a better husband, wife. It will transform how you do relationships, community, and all those things. Amazing. And he added to their number daily who were being saved. Right. That's me dumb. Should we bypass your bit, Abes, or are you going to come up? We've got time. Yeah, you're in. So I wanted to read that so that you can say, if anyone else around you is confused about what am I doing with this church thing, take them to Acts chapter 2. It's right there, 10 verses, and it says, dun, 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 dun. Have you got these going on? And if you do, your life will be transformed. If one of them is missing, why is it missing is a really good question because it might reveal something. And then how can we get it in there? Amazing. Thanks so much, Han. Um, yeah, I just, I just felt to bring a little thought tonight um, off the back of what Steve was saying. Um, and he mentioned this word that we, we sort of hear a lot, and it's deconstruction, right? Um, and I just wanted to acknowledge some of the reasons why people might go into deconstructing their faith or what church is. And just acknowledge those, that um, they're really valid. And some of those reasons might be um, scenarios like you've had a family member who's been unwell and the church has prayed and the prayer hasn't been answered. Or it could be you've been in a situation where a leader has maybe mistreated you. Or there, I mean, there's lots of different reasons. Ultimately, pain, fear and confusion are often what can lead us into deconstructive thinking and I just want to acknowledge that in people that I we understand why people do go there those experiences are real and they're painful and they need to be held in loving conversation with people that are committed to seeking out the truth of what the Bible says about what this should look like what this community should be living out so I just wanted to acknowledge that if, if there's anyone here that that's the case I just want to say that your deconstruction is welcome here and we want to talk and we want to explore that with you wherever you're at um, and let's sort of build together again what truth looks like in your life and what it looks like as it's expressed in this community. So I just wanted to acknowledge that if that's for anybody here. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to pray off the back of that because um, I'm sure that will have been is a, is a situation for some people here. Um, and then we're going to be wrapping up the service. So, yeah, let's pray together. Yeah, Jesus, we, we just want to come before you now and acknowledge some of the pain and some of the confusion around what it means to be in community, in a faith community. And God, we know you see those experiences we know you 
see those moments of pain and we know you see those moments of confusion. And we know that you have not left us or forsaken us. We know that you are not angry. We know that you are patient and that you are kind. And so God, we just want to ask for that patience as a community. We want to ask for you to pour out patience as we're struggling, as we're contending, as we're pressing on through to figure out what this looks like together. And God, we pray that this would be a community of patience and kindness towards each other as we're unraveling what it means to love you and to love each other. Because that's the simplicity of what you've called us to, to love you and to love each other. So God, we pray that you would bind us together in peace, that you'd heal our hearts and you'd transform our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of the Open House Podcast. Do go ahead and like, follow, subscribe and share around and get in touch with us if you want at openhousecc.co.uk or openhouse.cc on Instagram. I pray the Lord bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace this week. See you again.